okay, every everything in life is neutral. It's your reaction to it that matters. What up, tribe? Were you listening? No, seriously. Stop what you're doing. Were you listening? Did you hear that? Rob said everything in life is neutral. It's your reaction that matters. Everything in life is neutral. It's your reaction that matters. Hey, Rob Shad travels the world as a serial entrepreneur. He's built a six-figure business as an Amazon guru. So for those of you who are thinking about feeding your side hustle, this is the episode for you. Let's tune in and listen to Rob Shad. Thanks for joining the tribe, Rob. Absolutely, Dan. Thank you for having me. All right, man. You are like a serial pivoter. I mean, this is kind of what you do. You are like a transition artist um, as opposed to a con artist. So thanks so much for being on the tribe because you're going to be able to share a lot of good knowledge for folks out there. First question off the top is this. I come into your high school. Let's say you're in the 10th grade, pull you out in the hallway Mm -hmm. Say, Rob, what do you want to do when you grow up? Who do you want to be? What's your answer? 10th grade. Okay, that's that's not too long ago. <laughs> when I was in 10th grade, I was, I was conflicted. I honestly didn't know too much other than I wanted to go into finance. So I wanted to be on Wall Street. Um, what? In the 10th and, grade? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to – I don't know. I, I had the allure of being on Wall Street and being an investment banker uh, – basically that that I was like beginning of high school to about 12th grade that was the path I thought I was going to go on thank god that didn't work out for you jeez yeah that uh yeah I I, I like what I'm doing now and <laughs> I'm yeah, so happy nah. yeah, I just, just hey. kind of skipped out on college and for all you for all you bankers out there you know I'm not uh, I am disparaging you but that's okay I know you you add value in the marketplace liquidity and all that good stuff so but you wanted to be an investment. So where did you first, I mean, what did you like take a, a visit to uh, Goldman Sachs or something? Like, where does this, how does this come up for a 10th grader? I just, I, I don't know. It was the allure of it. It was the hmm. allure of working on Wall Street that uh, I wanted. I think it spawned when I, when I actually just watched the movie Wall Street. Um, <laughs> ever since I watched that movie, I'm like, I just, I just want to go work on Wall Street. Um <laughs> Probably not the best inspiration, um, and it's it's kind of the opposite. Uh, watching Wolf of Wall Street made me not want to be an investment banker. So one movie wanted me to get into it, and now that I'm just like, oh hell no. Yeah, two very different feelings, and uh, yeah, if, you, if for folks up there who haven't seen Wall Street or Wolf of Wall Street, then um, you need to see them both. Okay, so you had such a kind of an interesting path since high school. Talk about what that looked like for you after graduation. Yeah. So I made the decision not to continue on to college, um, against my parents there. Well, mostly my mom's, um, pushing me to go to school. And I just decided against it because I didn't feel it was going to put me on the right path, uh, that I wanted to go on. So, Basically, it was August 14, 2016, about a little over two years ago. And that was like the day I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing this. I'm just not going to get value out of that education. 
So with that, I uh, decided to go and start selling on Amazon. And that was something I was working since about the beginning of senior year. And I just kept on going with it. And I'm like, you know what? I see this opportunity and I'm just going to go see what I can do. I really had no hard set plan going into it. I was very much like, you know what? I'm going to see what I can get out of it. If it doesn't work, I'm going to try something else. If it does work, I'll keep on going with it. Talk to us about what the naysayers were telling you while you were in the midst of this uh, decision point. Uh, That I'll never make any money, that I should go to college so I can get a job that pays $60,000 a year and land me thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in debt. Those are the two most common um, that that people said. But even now I say what I'm doing and people kind of give me a weird eye like, you make money that way and uh, just kind of are like, yeah, my son's at XYZ college and is doing great. I'm like, huh, what skills are they actively learning that's helping them out? That's <laughs> that's Silence. always my rebuttal. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you know, it's interesting. A lot of folks out there, there's this interesting push out of uh, Peter Thiel, for example, you know, he has a scholarship where uh, they're actively paying students not to go to college. And if you look at higher education, and I, I, I'm i a lecturer here at the University of Texas, I run the Center for Sports Leadership and Innovation, so I am in the system, air quotes going up, but uh, if you look at the way, the curriculum hasn't changed much over the last 50 years, and that being said, everything else around us has changed dramatically, and I think moving forward, the decision you made, Rob, may be a decision that a lot of people make in their own best interest, because you can probably learn a lot more if you take just a head, like jumping into the real world and seeing what it throws at you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm doing this literally looking at my bookcase right now. And that's been a huge, just to build my education as I, I believe I read 30, 35 books that uh, uh-huh. first year I wasn't in school and this year I'm at about 20 ish. So, hmm. um, I, yeah, I just constantly I try to read a book to two books to three books a month to just continually educate myself and uh, to build up my knowledge base. Yeah. Tell us how scary. Talk about Amazon for folks out there who don't know about this world of sort of Amazon selling. You know, all of us have Prime and we hit the uh, the one click button and wait for the brown box to arrive. But talk about the other side. What does it look like as a seller? Yeah. So what's awesome about Amazon is they've basically built a whole network of sellers who, for them, provide all their inventory. So most of the stuff that is on Amazon, Amazon doesn't actually own the inventory. So they have just built the network where you have fulfillment centers and you have a platform to sell on. So someone like myself who wants to go leverage that network, I can run a e-commerce business I don't have to have a, f- a fulfillment center. And my marketing is very much like a SEO type marketing. So I'm actively um, just working to game their algorithm to get my products to show up. So it's really beneficial if you can learn that skill set and then not have to have any warehouse or warehouse employees to do any of your fulfillment. Hmm. What was the first item you sold on Amazon? So I'm going to keep that a little undercover just due to the fact <laughs> that I have the 
decent bit of them coming in right now and they okay and they, there is a little a, a little secretive to uh what you sell and sending it out online it i mean uh, maybe not in my best interest but i can tell okay. you what didn't work my first okay, product yes. that just didn't work and anyone's welcome to go steal the idea <laughs> <laughs> so go for it yeah and it's it was more of a learning lesson than anything else. I tried to sell clipboards on Amazon, and at the end of the day, just just basic brown clipboards. I ended up selling through all of them, but I ended up losing a good chunk of my initial capital because I had to put a lot into the marketing of it, and I uh, just got hit with some storage fees. And what I learned from that is you can't build a brand around clipboards. And yeah, I was going against some major competitors who manufactured basically had manufacturing in the U.S. And they were able to just cut their costs and uh, knocked out the two, three people that jumped in around the same time as myself. So it looked very promising. But as soon as I kind of sent the inventory and I was like, oh, crap, this this probably isn't going to be as great as I thought it would be. OK, so back up. So like for Amazon, if you're going to start selling clipboards, if I'm Rob, the clipboard seller, what kind of an investment in terms of quantity of clipboards do I need to buy in order to get in the game? Yeah, so that's very subjective. Um, your like my first inventory order is now uh, on a new product. They're about five hundred to a thousand units at anywhere mm-hmm. from. I mean, a product can cost a dollar to you can have products that cost twenty dollars. It's all just going to depend on what you're selling. So you can start up for two, three thousand dollars, or you can push into ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in startup cost. It's just all going to depend on what you're selling. But in terms of like the actual units, about about 100, 200, 300, just to test the market. But the thing is, is you need to also have the cash to go and buy more because you sell some and say you start with 100, you sell through your first 100 and then um, you need to order 500 or 1,000 because you uh, show that the market, um, you'll be able to sell in that market, but you need to be able to mm-hmm. pull an inventory for two to three months so you don't run out. Hmm. Because what I hear, and this is a new world to me, what I hear is that the negative review is like kryptonite to the Amazon seller, right? So if I go in and say, damn it, Rob, I ordered a thousand clipboards and I chose the two-day delivery and I didn't get them until four days and now my 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 camp is screwed because we didn't have the clipboards, That's that's not good for you. Now, technically, that's not my fault because Amazon does the fulfillment. So anything when it comes oh. to the actual fulfillment, if it gets lost, anything like that, that's not on me. If someone wants to publicly shame me online for it getting delivered late, <laughs> I can go to Amazon and fight that and be like, hey, I didn't do the fulfillment. This is on you guys. And they'll kind of wipe that mark off of you. Um, so that's gotcha. – but you are on the right, uh, the, the right thought of like – you don't want to put a bad product out there because you will get people who will go on and publicly humiliate you on, on your Amazon page and write bad reviews for you. And then future buyers are going to look at that and be like, Oh, I don't want to buy a bad product. I think that's the beauty of Amazon is, uh, the, the crowdsourced uh, reviews online to show whether something's good or not. Hmm. Talk to me about, as you were building the business, what kind of, for you looking at your own personal balance sheet, what was the calculus for you that gave you the confidence you could make enough to to float right that you could that you could basically cover all of your expenses 
and get you from month to month? What, what did that calculation look like for you? Yeah, so I had a great starting out point just because, you know, fresh out of high school, staying at home, your uh, my monthly expenses were pretty, pretty low. Just, you know, my coffees at Starbucks, uh, just so I'd have a nice working <laughs> environment. Uh, beside that, I literally just tried to keep under a couple hundred bucks and hmm. everything I made, I reinvested uh, for about the first year just to keep on building up inventory, add new products to what I sell. And that's how I started that my first year, my second year, about a year into it, I'm like, okay, I'm cash flowing enough and kind of took the leap to take the laptop lifestyle to be a digital nomad. All right, Rob. So as a digital nomad, what's life like? I mean, you're running around with a laptop from plane to plane, city to city, country to country. Tell folks in the tribe what that life is like. Well, it's not like most Instagram pictures where, you know, you can uh, sit on the beach with your margarita and do your work. That, uh, <laughs> that, that, that in theory is awesome. But in reality, you hit the you get the glare of the sun and it doesn't work out too well. <laughs> But yeah, it is the most amazing, uh, amazing lifestyle. I really enjoy just going to new cities and experiencing uh, different cultures and trying new foods and really getting to know the locals and plugging into the digital nomad community and making friends from all over the world. Love it. I envy you so much now. You make my life in Austin, Texas sound like a complete drag. I do have to say, though. I love Austin, and I, if I was going to settle down for a long time, I probably would settle down in Austin. So, I was always amazed at just how going to a place where you don't know anyone, how that instantly opens you up to possibilities you can't even imagine, right? You see stuff you haven't seen, you have taste, you're like, oh man, I didn't even know you had this kind of drink, food, um, and your creative senses go into overload. So you found that traveling has allowed you to have this creative almost vitality that you probably couldn't get from just being in one place. Exactly. So yeah. with most of my travel, I haven't, I haven't spent more than a month and a half anywhere. So I'm always somewhere new. I'm a huge, uh, I love to run. So uh, hmm. I love to just go take a morning run through a city and just kind of go through different streets every day and just kind of be opened up and taken, uh, taken the architecture, taken, um, taking the views, taking uh, whatever monuments are there, uh, whatever kind of that city's known for. Just kind of go seek that out while I run and uh, start my day with like a, an amazing mindset of like, oh my gosh, look at what all these other people have built. Look at what they've done. Um, hmm. And then I kind of translate that into my work. Wow. Now, coolest place you've been to? Coolest place? Um, oh, that's a tough one. I Okay, my favorite place was Budapest, Hungary. That was by hmm. far my favorite place. And that's also where I spent the most time. I just love the atmosphere there. It was, I mean, great for the American dollar. Like the exchange rate was nice there. Um, hmm. And there was just something about it there that I haven't put my my hand on it, but I liked it a lot more than your typical like London or Paris or Rome. I enjoyed Budapest way more than that. Yeah, now, now the, you know, folks out there in the tribe, I, I won't spill the beans on, you know, Rob's income. He's doing extremely well. Um, so, of course, before we we brought him on, we're able to vet. And he's he's been extremely successful. And so, although you can't talk to us about particular product lines, 
coach folks up out there who are thinking about this space, right? If they're thinking about online sales, maybe thinking about the Amazon game, maybe they're thinking they want to reboot their lives and become a digital nomad. What are kind of some best practices, lessons learned um, from the the guy who wanted to be an investment banker, but now is a digital nomad? <laughs> yeah. So the, I would say probably my the biggest one is um, just, don't be afraid to do anything. I feel like that's stop that stops so many people is the fear of going into it and like, what are uh, my parents gonna think? What's my wife gonna think? What's my girlfriend gonna think? What's my friends gonna think if I do that? Um, that was one thing that I had is like I cared way too much about other people's opinions, um, hmm. and that was something that I immediately just kind of threw out as like I just don't care anymore. Uh, I'm just gonna do what I want to do, um, and kind of with that the the fear of the unknown. Um, I feel like stops a ton of people is like, well, what's out there that I haven't experienced yet? Um, I feel like to me, that's, I enjoy that. I love just getting something that like just pops up and I'm like, well, I got to deal with this. I, this morning I was kind of dealing with some crap and I feel so much better right now that I finished it all. And, uh, just that kind of sense of accomplishment that you get. Um, hmm. um, one thing I love is just every day there's something new. Like it never feels like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. It always keeps life interesting. Hmm. And talk about your different revenue streams. Yes. So right now I have my personal commerce stores. I have, uh, I do some coaching on the side. So I work with a couple of people and help them out and uh, currently building out their Amazon shops. And then I work with a couple brands as well to basically run their Amazon shops. So it's all centered around uh, amazon.com, but I've kind of, done a couple different services within it <laughs> now peek around the corner i mean do you think all of us were on myspace at one point well you weren't you're too young yeah. <laughs> but we've seen myspace we've seen alta vista peek around the corner and tell me do you think amazon um survives 15 years yes because of their just extensive infrastructure that's one thing most people don't realize like what they have online and also what they've built when it comes to fulfillment centers um that's going to make it very very tough for someone mm. to come in and disrupt them does walmart survive walmart um i think they're they've been adapting a lot better than your sears or toys r us so um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I think they also have such a they have a brand recognition for people who still want to go to the store. So I feel like they still have their their customer base that, that's going to go shop at Walmart. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you, you mentioned um, Sears and Toys R Us. I mean, for folks 20 years ago, there aren't many people who would have predicted that both of those and throw JCPenney in there, too. Um, hey, go all the way back to. Uh, uh, this is like back in my dad's day and age. This was like the mail order store. It's going to come to me at some point. But uh, I think about the blockbusters, right? The last yep. blockbusters up in Oregon. Um, this disruption is a real thing. And I always wonder, you know, you take a snapshot of the big players right now, the Netflix, your alphabets and the Googles and the um apples and and amazons and you wonder is there some upstart out there that's chipping away at uh at market share we can't see it now but at some point we're like whoa this is the next big thing yeah for sure i mean i don't know any right now i feel like what's really going to 
accelerate any of these people taking off is VR and AR. I mean, if you look hmm. at any of that, that's just the complete unknown. It's it's like the internet, what, 30 years ago, people had no clue what the internet would do. I feel like that's VR and AR in the next, what, five, 10 years, we should probably yeah. see some big changes happening. You know, I want you to go back to creativity because yeah. I, I don't want to miss on this point, but how do people... We got some folks out there who've got kids and mortgages and uh, property taxes, and they're not going to leave and become a digital yeah. nomad. But they want to carve out some time, Rob, just to be more creative. I'm reading some stuff from a guy named Austin Cleon. You heard of this guy? He's a, he's a, he's his name is Austin Cleon. He's actually in Austin, but he's written stuff like "Still Like an Artist." Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking. I, yeah. yeah, I have that literally book on my shelf. I'm looking at it right now. I, I've read that. Yeah, you've seen that. Yep. So, like, I think this, um, like, this push in this digital age where we're so saturated with Instagram and the pings and notifications to find creative space. Do you have some tips for people who want to kind of carve out some sacred creative space for whatever they're doing in their lives um, that they could kind of use on a on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. So even I will fall into something where like I just can't find a solution. I can't think of anything. And normally that happens when I get in like too much of a routine and I need to disrupt the pattern. You know what I mean? I need to go for a walk. I need mm. to go for a run. I need to go to the gym. I need to do something to get me out of my everyday routine. That's why I don't really, and that's another reason I don't really have a set routine every day. Kind of just do, mm. do what I want to do every day. Um, so I don't go to the gym at a certain time. I don't go, uh, I don't eat at certain times. Like I kind of just play every day as it is. So I never get too routine. I feel like that's something that mm. gets a lot of people stuck is they're in this everyday routine and everything just happens over and over again. And they need to disrupt that routine to be able to uh, find some creativity, whether it be go to a park and go for a walk or what's some other good uh, kind of disruptions that I think like going for a walk yeah. in a park is a great one. Go to an art museum, go, go mm. for a drive. Like that's something I don't do when I travel, but at least when I'm home, I love to just go drive somewhere new don't use any directions. Don't use a map. Just go get lost and take it in. Yeah, this is something I think you're hitting somewhere. I mean, you know, this point you made on not necessarily having a routine definitely leaves you open to possibilities that probably being so regimented doesn't allow you to have. Right. Like if you've got to be somewhere at every, you know, juncture of the day then how much space are you really creating for yourself to have some creativity exactly and i think we don't we don't get lost enough like everyone's so freaking concerned with knowing where to go you know google maps ways all this crap like nobody gets lost unless the network goes down and, you know, maybe maybe we should intentionally try to get lost every now and then just to get the juices flowing Absolutely. And I mean, at least when traveling, that's that's something that happens more regularly than not, is you, you're in a new place and you're seeing new stuff. I go for a run. I don't put maps on. I don't put a timer on. Just kind of run and take everything in. And um, the, again, that kind of just dis disrupts my everyday routine. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to turn around. We're going to hit the two-minute drill. I want you to turn around and look at that bookcase of yours. Yeah. I want you to give folks in the tribe three books. This is it. Just three. Okay. Three books for folks who are lost. So these are people who, man, maybe they're stuck in their cubicle. 
They've been doing a job punching the clock. Uh, it's not the life they want to live and they want to get a little recharge. What are three books that you would prescribe for them to kind of get them out of the rut? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one would be uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I love that book. And the reason behind that is just it really that, that whole story is uh, telling the story of Phil Knight. And how I took it is when he was 20, um, he was he, he wasn't the CEO of Nike uh, when he was 25. He was, I mean, he was he was the CEO of Blue Ribbon Company, but Nike wasn't was isn't what it is today. Um, and it's just that progression from where he was to where he got and how he wasn't any different than anyone else. Like he was, he was normal. You know what I mean? He was these, he's a normal human being and it's just the actions and the choices he made to get Nike to where it is today. Um, and then another Mm -hmm. book is Sapiens. I love that book. It was a huge, just mind shift changer. And for someone being stuck, it just completely changed my whole outlook on life and gave a disruption. So maybe you're so hmm. linear with your thinking, Sapiens will totally change that. Hmm. And last one, uh, I love The Alchemist. Um, hmm. It's just a really good um, to get a deeper meaning in, in your life. Yeah, I've got a. I'm two for three on your list. I haven't read Sapiens, but this has been recommended to me multiple times. I'm writing that down. I've definitely got to gotta put this on the list. But definitely Shoe Dog, the story of Phil Knight, and then uh, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Um, three, three really good reads that I think can help folks. What about podcasts? What podcast do you like? Okay, so I've actually kind of turned my podcast down. I used to listen to them all the time, and uh, I've been <laughs> listening to a lot of audiobooks lately. Uh, and hmm. doing a little bit more reading than, uh, or reading, listening than podcast listening. But I loved, uh, Tim Ferriss. Uh, Tim Ferriss is a, I, I don't, he just brings on good guests. Like his guests are top notch and, uh, he knows how to talk to them. He knows how to get the best out of yeah. them. Um, him and the MF CEO, <laughs> the guy's name is Andy Frisella, runs a big fitness company. It's him doing most of the talking. Uh, but the lessons he brings and the knowledge he brings is incredible. And then the last one is Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. And yeah. I just I just love how he breaks down these really just out out of this world topics and makes an interesting story around it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who's on his <laughs> research team, but they find these really innocuous stories and bring them out and like what where is he going with this and then the way he just wraps it up at the end is is wonderful man if we're going to hit the two minute drill okay fast tempo you'll have no problem keeping up being the digital nomad that you are so here we go number one is this what is the title of the book that you have not written oh um you will die someday oh <laughs> <laughs> i love it I keep telling people that. They don't believe me. Yeah. <laughs> you will die. I may steal that. Do you have that trademark? I, 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 I should. I mean, <laughs> I'm, seriously, most people don't realize that. They they, they take it for granted. And, you know, embracing it uh, really makes it a lot easier. And it kind of really makes you love what you're doing today because you don't push stuff off. Mm, I like it. I love it. Okay. Here's the next one. If you could create a course that every college student in the world had to take so this is the mandatory course rob what would it be what would the title of that class be 
how to drop out of college. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I knew it. How to drop out of college. And the last one, this is your last tweet to the world. Okay. Speaking of dying. Okay. And this is your sign off to humanity. What would that tweet? How would it read? Oh, okay. Uh, Do I have 140 characters or less? Yes. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I, I think something or uh, everything is neutral. Uh, it's your reaction to it that matters. Bam! Woo! Everything in life is neutral. It's your reaction to it that matters. Rob, thank you so much for jumping on the tribe. Absolutely. Dropping some gems. <laughs> I love it. Tell folks where they can find you out there on the interwebs. Yes. Um, I'm very active on my personal Facebook, and that's just Rob Shad. And then uh, pretty active on Instagram, and that is Robbie Shad, R-O-B-B-Y-S-C-H-A-D. All right. Rob, man, where's the next destination for you? I am leaving um, in a couple days and going to Playa del Carmen, Mexico and settling down for three months. I hate you. (laughs) I hate you. The tribe wishes you well. Thanks for coming on the show. Awesome, Darren. Thank you for having me. All right, tribe. Thanks for listening. Hey, listen, we'd love to get your feedback, whether one star or five stars on iTunes or the podcast platform of your pleasure. So please go out there and give the tribe a rating. We want to get this into as many ear canals as possible and your rating will help us to do that. Now go out there, keep saying yes, stay in the deep end. No struggle, no progress. No progress.